Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. Today we continue our look at development in Tucson. Tucson has seen a lot of new development downtown, and there's more on the way even in spite of the pandemic. But what many describe as revitalization, others see as gentrification and displacement of longtime residents and businesses. This week, we're taking a look at how the city has incentivized downtown development and how it might change some of those policies moving forward. The city uses a state program known as GPLET, which allows developers to rent city-owned property for virtually nothing so long as they agree to increase the property's value by at least 100%. As an example, Johnny Gibson's Market, the first grocery store in downtown Tucson, is a GPLET project. Rent on the property is set at $10 a year. The deal allows the developer to not pay property taxes for eight years, the life of the lease. The GPLET has been controversial since it was introduced into law by the Arizona legislature in 1996. This year saw a fresh wave of GPLET criticism sweep Tucson. AZPM's Jake Steinberg reports on why a relatively obscure tax incentive became a lightning rod issue for some activists. When it comes to the revitalization of pre-pandemic downtown, credit is often given to the Sunlink Streetcar and the Rio Nuevo Economic Development District. But many of downtown's most prominent new buildings have one thing in common. The city owns the land underneath them, meaning the owners don't have to pay property taxes, at least until their eight-year lease is up. 90% of Tucson's 25 GPLET projects have gone to local developers, according to a city report. They've spurred over $300 million of capital investment, but they've also helped transform downtown into a far more expensive place than it used to be. Pre-pandemic, rents downtown had increased 8% over last year. That's made people like Roxana Valenzuela, who lives along Park Avenue south of Aviation Parkway, nervous. I noticed that the makeup of the neighborhood was changing. Uh, I want to say about three, four years ago, maybe. And I started looking to buy a house, and I couldn't find anything that I could afford in this neighborhood. Valenzuela is part of a group called the Barrio Neighborhood Coalition. The neighbors organized in response to rising costs downtown and the fear their neighborhoods would be next. In September, the city was set to renew and expand its central business district, in which it is allowed to offer a GPLET. In response, the coalition launched a week of protest at every ward office. You know, we have to continue paying taxes while the developers get all these abatements. The mayor and council ended up renewing the district, but agreed the incentive was due for some changes. Beginning in January, the city will solicit public feedback on ways such projects can better benefit the community. There are discussions about adding requirements for affordable housing or providing transit passes or reducing rent for local merchants. There's no denying the cost of housing in central Tucson has increased, raising concerns about gentrification. But some argue eliminating or attaching strings to the GPLET would do more to raise housing costs and worsen poverty. That's because without it, many of the projects that have brought more housing and jobs downtown wouldn't have happened. Downtown was not a place where businesses wanted to come 
and Tucson with a 24% poverty rate desperately needs more businesses to be attracted to this area. Downtown had to change. Randy Dorman is a local developer and board member for the Tucson Downtown Partnership. She says it's expensive to build downtown, and local developers only have so much of their own money. Eventually, they need a loan and outside investors. So the biggest impact, since your land costs are fixed and your construction costs are fixed, it is what are your expenses? That's where the G-Plet sweetens the deal. When property tax isn't a part of the picture at first, banks and investors are more likely to back a project. She says one of her buildings, the Trinity office on University Boulevard, wouldn't have been possible without the incentive. She says GPLET helps promote sustainable infill development and brings more people into the neighborhood who in turn spend money in the neighborhood. It also brings in more revenue to the city in the long term. This was an empty parking lot, an underutilized parking lot owned by a church. They were not paying property taxes. And so, you know, we get the property tax abatement for eight years but we just took all the risk on a 25,000 square foot building. And then in eight years, we're going to be paying the taxes on a building that is so much more valuable than what was empty land not paying any taxes. Kevin Kaplan is a real estate analyst with Long Market Insights. He says it's not just downtown neighborhoods that have gotten expensive. Tucson's housing market is hotter than it's ever been, after prices recovered from the 2008 housing bust. He says the inventory of affordable homes is shrinking. Under 500000 there's less than one month. It's about three weeks of inventory. A normal balanced housing market is about six months. The reason, he says, is simple. There isn't enough housing being built to meet demand. Given those market conditions, some argue new development no longer needs the tax incentive. Sean McCarthy is a senior research analyst for the Arizona Tax Research Association, a taxpayer watchdog that advocates for efficient government fiscal policy. These projects would likely to go anyway. The difference is, is that you can get slightly better lending terms if you get one of these deals. And so what you're doing is subsidizing the operation. McCarthy says when most major projects get a GPLET, all developers start to assume they'll get one. It's not so much that we think that they're all a, a bad use of taxpayer funds, but that we've seen considerable excess uses of GBLETs throughout their history. And we don't think that taxpayers ought to be in the business of picking winners and losers. State statute requires the city designate areas where it offers GPLET as blighted. He says Tucson should reevaluate whether its downtown really warrants that status anymore. For The Buzz, I'm Jake Steinberg. Barbara Coffey is the Economic Initiatives Director for the City of Tucson. We asked her if she thinks the GPLET program has been successful for the city. So I do economic development for a living. Um, I think it's important that communities set themselves apart by making sure that they have a business-friendly environment, a pro-development environment, so that we can attract investment and job creation to the community. In order to do that, uh, many of the incentive programs become important. It, it lays out what I like to call the welcome mat for those opportunities. And I think, so has it been successful? Uh, 
absolutely it's one aspect of what helps attract development and helps helps us tell a good story in terms of we want your business here we want your investment here we want to move uh, the city forward and and agree you know partner to do that to bring quality projects to the city that are beneficial for all um, that's the idea and you know whether one incentive makes or breaks a project. I I, I would disagree with that. Right? There's many layers, many factors uh, involved in the decision making process for a project to move forward. Um, this is just but one of those. Is there a specific project that people would know that you could point to and say that was a GPLEP project? So in Tucson, there have been a number of projects that have um, been uh, taken advantage of the GPLEP program since 2012, and many of them fall into the category of uh, hospitality or multifamily, um, you know, residential projects for downtown. It was important, I think, uh, for sure, and I know other communities followed suit with this to begin to enliven their downtowns with residential projects. Um, I think we've seen that the most recent one that opened was the rendezvous uh, in downtown uh, with some of the um, uh, luxury apartments. Uh, but certainly we, we saw early on projects like the Cadence or Herberger uh, that were important in driving, uh, again, what I call feet on the street. So getting that 24-7 environment going in your downtown helped bring back a lot of the business that you see there today, a lot of the smaller retail and, 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 and food and beverage establishments rely on that. Uh, in all cases, our projects were uh, those that did not displace any single family housing. Uh, they were either built on uh, vacant or underutilized parking lots in, in, in the downtown area. Um, in a couple cases, landfill sites. Uh, so they were in, in true form uh, working to revitalize uh, an area of the city as it was intended. I understand you're leading meetings to gather some community feedback on the GPLET program. What are you hearing from folks? Well, it's been a, a topic of, of a lot of conversation. I think the community is very interested in seeing uh, that we are responsible stewards uh, for any kind of incentive programs that we're utilizing. And so there, there has been requests to, to have more conversation. Our mayor and council decided that we should spend a little more time uh, with that community engagement process in order to seek feedback uh, in order to have the discussions in a manner that is meaningful and that really brings uh, some opportunity to create a shared vision going forward. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. I know the city, mayor and council are talking about doing some modification to the GPLET program. Do you know any of the specifics about what they would like to see changed? So we're definitely going to have this conversation. Um, I suspect that, and, 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 and since you interviewed uh, Councilmember Santa Cruz, you may have uh, had some ideas from her um, about the importance of uh, being sure that our projects are having, again, positive and not negative impact. Um, by that, uh, attention to small business, um, historic areas, 
preservation of, of neighborhoods in a way that again is meaningful, that, crea that creates uh, job opportunities, but again, at that small business entrepreneurial level uh, and, and local level, right? Um, there's a concern that what the essence of Tucson, what makes Tucson unique is it's locally owned, independently owned, or even employee owned type of businesses. Um, we absolutely want to keep the flavor of what makes Tucson unique. That is absolutely what attracts people to Tucson. Um, so the goal would be to enhance uh, those activities. The other thing you may have heard uh, people ask about is the presence of affordable housing or housing affordability. Uh, we know uh, if you are you know, in economic development and you're working in any city across the country, what's important to you is having uh, a mix of housing options and housing affordability is critical. And having a mix of people in a neighborhood is what makes a neighborhood special. The Central Business District is no different than that. And I think those are some of the things that you might be hearing uh, from, from community members or members of the council. But I, I, I don't wanna get too far ahead of myself because community engagement is a process and we want to hear what people also have to add about things that might be of interest to them, whether it's things on a scale of a range of things from public art to public open space uh, to other amenities related to biking and transit and, and things that make quality of life uh, really uh, shine in, in our community. That was Barbara Coffey, the Economic Initiatives Director for the City of Tucson. Find a link to more information about the city's upcoming discussions around GPLET on our website. Peach Properties has been a local Tucson developer for decades. Currently, Peach Properties manages more than 20 properties from South Tucson up to about 6th Street and the downtown center. They're a leading driver of downtown redevelopment responsible for notable properties including the Manning House and the Chicago Music Store. We asked project manager Chris Layton how he would describe Peach Properties' business approach and priorities for developing downtown Tucson. We like to basically take underutilized buildings and bring them back to life um, and fill them with local businesses. Um, we're also now really starting to get into new construction as well with 75 Broadway and the Ronstadt Transit Center redevelopment. When it comes to 75 Broadway or the Ronstadt Center or other projects like that, does the company take advantage of the tax incentives available? Yes, we do. Um, GPLET um, often helps make it pencil. It actually is one key tool we use to keep the rents down so we can put local businesses in. A lot of those properties that you all have acquired downtown have been, you know, historic properties, which have had businesses in them for a long time. Obviously, when you restore them, you know, their, their value goes up. That's the business plan, I would assume. Is GPLET the only way you're able to keep some of those local businesses in those, those historic businesses? Or are there other things you do to as you've improved the quality of a building um, to help those companies that may have been there for a long time stay stay in their homes? Generally, um, they're new businesses that we've moved into the buildings. Um, Arizona Glass, Market Inn is a good example where XO Coffee and those tenants are. That was Arizona Glass. They'd outgrown the building. They moved. We bought it um, and just redid the building and moved local startups into that building. Um, 
Chicago stores another one. Chicago Music has moved to Sixth Avenue. Um, we've gutted the building, completely redone it, and we have a new startup moving into the upstairs actually any day now. So, um, and looking for a tenant for downstairs at this point. As development has come up in downtown and around downtown, there's been a lot of discussion around the idea of community benefit agreements with developers and, and neighborhoods in the area. If neighborhoods or, or neighbors you know, came to you with any of those developments, would that, is that something that you engage in? So far, no, we haven't had to do those. There's some larger developments um, that were more adjacent to neighborhoods that we know have done that. We do have some in the pipeline that we may have to engage in that process. I know it's all being studied and what the economic impacts have been to date. I think there's some concern expressed by the community with developers that have taken advantage of it and not actually returned the economic benefit to the community. And a lot of that really is up in Maricopa County. I think that that's happened more so than in Tucson. I think once they finish doing the study, you're going to find that in Tucson, the benefit really has been returned to the community. However, I mean, we're not at all opposed to working on community benefit agreements, but it 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 all still needs to be, to pencil f- for us to, to do things. Um, and... Again, if we're going to keep local businesses, which we think is important to Tucson, the local businesses need to be able to afford to pay the rent. When you all go into a development project, uh, you mentioned you're still looking for a tenant uh, downstairs in Chicago. Um, is that a different project or that you have to find people or people coming to you and saying, I want to get downtown, let's do a project? It's a little bit of both. Um, we did actually pre-COVID have a tenant <laughs> lined up for the downstairs of the Chicago store. Um, and we're hoping they'll come back, and and they may. So a lot of times we, we find a building and, and start fixing up with no one particular in mind. We kind of have a general idea of the mix we'd like to see in there. We do have another building that um, on that block that Starbucks actually approached us. They wanted to move in to and we said no um, <laughs> because we'd much rather have the local business in there. Um, again, they would have been a great tenant, probably paid us more than anyone else, but but we just don't think it's a good fit for downtown Tucson. And we think part of the success of downtown is that it's all local or almost all local. As downtown gets into more of that mixed use uh, residential, any concern that you're just going to push the 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 longtime residents, be they business or some of the folks who have lived downtown out uh, for this new stuff? There's a concern on gentrification by the neighborhoods, which I understand. Um, although there's some more recent studies that are showing that gentrification is actually good for everyone. It creates more opportunity for everyone. But there are some tools I think the city can implement to help protect, to make sure we're not pushing people out. Um, they used to have a program where the long-term residents could lock in their property taxes at their current rate. Um, if that program's expired, I'd love to see it reinstated. We're committed to doing a mix of affordable housing ourselves as we develop housing. 
um, and I think other developers are as well. Arizona is really a very tough state when it comes to economic incentives. It's has fewer than almost any state in the country. So GPLET is a is one of our only options, and so we're hoping it does stay. We're willing to work with the community on how you tweak it, how you make it a little more transparent. But um, it, it has been a tool, and and it is a big part of how we've gotten things where where we've gotten them and how we've gotten the the projects done. That was Peach Properties project manager Chris Layton. Tucson City Council member Lane Santa Cruz represents Ward 1, which includes the west side, south side, and part of downtown. We asked her what she thinks of the GPLET program and new development in her ward. I think that when um, the city put this program together a little bit after the last economic recession, um, that it was, you know, a way for the city to try to spur development, you know, the city's uh, tax revenue had uh, really taken a dip and it was impacting a lot of the services, you know, that the city provides. Um, and so we had a lot more demand, you know, for service, but didn't have the funds to make that happen. So I think at the time, Mayor and Council, you know, were like, how can we, you know, incentivize development, you know, to kind of get the local Tucson economy going again. The incentives obviously work, you know, to get development going, um, but folks in the community are now bringing a lot of valid concerns about what this means to their neighborhood and, and getting priced out, you know, of the areas that they've lived in. Um, and that at the end of the day, um, the the impact in, in these areas has been because of a historic disinvestment by private and public entities, you know, to these areas of town. Yeah, especially as a, a city council member, that, that's got to be a, a difficult balance because on one hand, as you said, you want to make sure there's money coming into the city. But on the other side, we have historic neighborhoods and, and businesses that are, are getting uh, pushed out by GPLET development. How do you balance that? So that's, you know, that's definitely the challenge that, that we're facing today. And um, we talked about this at the Marin Council table a couple months ago um, around the Central Business District and the expansion or, you know, the redistricting and what that was going to look like. And I think this, you know, we're being challenged that at this moment, how are we um, making sure that these incentives are accessible to like these legacy businesses, you know, that have been in, in our barrios for a long time? How do we make sure folks who've been kind of left out of this like big, you know, um, development you know, a game or development, you know, culture here in the city, how are we making sure that we're actually addressing the folks who, who don't come from having inherited wealth, you know, in their families, but are trying to be creative and work with other folks on, on addressing a lot of the needs that we have in our communities. Are there things that the city can do when it comes to gentrification? As you said, your constituents are talking a lot about it and they're they're worried about it. The other side argues it's good. It raises values for everybody, even those who stay. Um, is there something the city can do uh, to help with all of this? I mean, I think at the very, you know, at, you know, as a very basic is just to to listen, you know, to start listening and thinking about how are we taking this serious. And so from there, you know, the mayor and council just reinstituted, you know, a new. Um, an old new commission around housing, you know, and community development, but around 
not just like housing, but then just like development, right? And like the the interplay that both of those have and how do we make sure that comes from not just like talking heads or professionals, but that we're engaging with community, people on the ground, people who have are being challenged and struggling so that we can come up, you know, with better solutions together. What are your thoughts on the city expanding the business district? Um, I think the jury is still out. You know, we're, we're trying to figure all that out. We did give, you know, direction to our Office of Economic Initiatives um, to do some more facilitation, facilitated dialogues with community um, before they came back to Marin Council with, with any proposals. But it should make sense, you know, that, yes, a lot of the incentives have been around the downtown area. And perhaps maybe there's other parts of the city, you know, um, that, that need that. I think um, one of the things for me, you know, downtown, for good or for bad, you know, has changed a lot from what it looked like for me growing up. I used to spend a lot of time downtown. So when people speak about it in a negative way, I'm actually offended by it, you know, because it felt like a space that I could spend time in. And now it's a lot more expensive, you know, for me to go wine and dine in that area. Um, but that I think each district, each part of the city kind of has its own like cultural center hubs. And like for, for me in Ward 1, that's like 12th Avenue, you know, like 12th Avenue is like it's a, it's a center, it's a hub. And like, how do we make sure that we're supporting the businesses along that corridor um, over here on the west side, St. Mary's and Grande, you know, are other corridors. And it's like, how do we um, how do we support them? And so really, that's the kind of conversations and what I want to hear from from the community about what makes sense. And then what what kinds of businesses and development do they want us to support? What would reinvestment to you look like in those areas, the south side, the west side, from from a policy perspective? Um, Well, you know, what's interesting with on like South 12th Avenue, again, we have um, a lot of our legacy businesses. They they are part of the the. um, that gastronomy, you know, the 23 miles of Mexican food, the gastronomy designation. Um, but it's been, you know, just to like two, three years ago that they finally got the road repaid, you know. And so there's just hasn't been, you know, a lot of that, you know, like like investment or you've had to fight for it, you know, over the years. And now um, we're finally getting sidewalks, you know, and some vegetation. It's just, you know, neglect. So I think on one side, it's the investment on the policy end. It's, um, I think, you know, we, we have to figure it out and, and be careful with it, but a lot of the, these legacy businesses down there don't own their buildings. They're 80, like 80%, you know, um, uh, rentals. And so how do we make sure that any kind of investment there then doesn't push them out? That was Ward 1 City Council Member Lane Santa Cruz, and that's the buzz for this week. We'll continue to cover these issues of development and city planning in the coming months, especially as the Tucson Mayor and Council discuss changes to those plans. Let us know what you think about these issues by leaving us a voicemail at 520-621-5999 or send us a story idea through our website. We're taking a break next week and we'll be back with a new show on December 4th. We wish you all a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Ariana Brocious is the show's producer and editor. Vanessa Ontiveros is our production assistant. Jim Blackwood is our production engineer. Duncan Moon is the interim news director. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening.
Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.